You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. What's up, friends? Welcome back to the SG Drive-In. I am one of your hosts. My name is Joe, and I am joined by Pastor Will Rose, Lutheran pastor in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and the yearsake of today's <laughs> festivities. You know, we're going That's through right. and and we're we're doing the uh big blockbusters from the years that we were born and it just so happens that among our esteemed panel of hosts the eldest happens to match up with one of the very first summer blockbusters with 1972's The Godfather. Mm. That's right. Yeah, when when this was being pitched, like, hey, we should do summer blockbusters of the year we were born. I'm looking around the room uh, and I'm like, oh, okay, let's see what came out in 1972. Oh, The Godfather. Gotcha. It's not even a, a summer blockbuster. It like came out in March of that year, but but it, it defines blockbuster. Like if you're going to talk about blockbusters, it is the blockbuster. It, 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 has, it checks all the boxes of soundtrack and lines that people quote. They don't even know that they're quoting from this movie that it won all the awards. It got all the, you know, it's got a, a cast in it that, that went on to do great things. And, and so it is as, as terms of Hollywood is the blockbuster of all blockbusters. Now, in terms of, is it a popcorn flick with action and, and, you know, superhero special effects and sci-fi? No. In terms of storytelling, uh, it's, it's at the peak of, of movie cinema uh, storytelling. So yeah, glad we can talk about this. I'm glad I could be the, like the anchor or the, the extreme end of, of one of the, <laughs> I don't know who's the youngest and what year we're going up to for that uh, at the end of this thing, but but to be here to talk about this particular movie, the year I was born, is is fun. And glad you guys decided to listen. Yeah. So before we get into the actual movie, I gotta ask, drive-ins. Was that something that was a part of your childhood? I would think for somebody in your age bracket, you know, I, I'm in that same age bracket. I was 89. And right. so so for me, drive-ins are a very big part of nostalgia for me. What about you? Yeah, no, no drive-ins. Like I, I may have been to one drive-in my entire life and I did not go to any. Uh, now in terms of movies, summer movies, renting movies, being entertained by movies, being babysat by movies, my mom worked or tried to get something done uh, is a big part of my childhood. Like, you know, um, I remember getting certificates in elementary school of like the dollar movie or take your kid to a movie on these particular days. We had an Ultraman episode a while back. And I remember my mom dropped me off at the movie theater to see like a dollar movie to see Ultraman uh, because it somewhat looked like a superhero <laughs> sci-fi movie she thought I would like. And I, of course, I loved it. But yeah, I remember going to the movies with my friends over the summers. And, and that was a big part of of can't wait to go see that particular movie or go to see the next star Wars or, or Raiders of the Lost Ark or whatever the next movie was. We were, we were really excited about So movies, blockbuster movies, some movies. Yes. Drive-ins. No, but they have opened up a new drive-in here in town in Chapel Hill that came of course with COVID and tr people trying to be outdoors and not gather in closed confined spaces where there's movie theaters. There's a couple, um, 
makeshift uh, drive-ins that happened over COVID. And then there's uh, a, a park down the road that's near a movie theater that they rented out, put up a big screen, and they they started showing movies uh, to be outdoors. And then there's a new drive-in nearby that I just got a flyer in the mail that we uh, are going to check out at some point. Yeah, that's one of the few silver linings that can be drawn from the last couple of years is drive-ins have have seen a resurgence they are seeing their day in the mm-hmm. sun in a way that wouldn't have necessarily been a thing otherwise you know yep um so godfather man i this is one of those movies for me that i'm i am the east coast contingent of our panel and uh let me just say that some stereotypes are born out of places of realism man right right like i can look to some of the family get-togethers growing up and i oh uncle sal and you know what i mean i'm i'm very (laughs) sicilian so i get it um and, and this uh, it's it's so it's so much fun to be able to say you know i'll go to my wife you know oh it's it's for the podcast you know what i mean with with going yeah. back and watching these these you know murderers row of movies for the 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 blockbuster lineup but this is one of those that like you, like you said it's if you're into cinema then you do yourself the favor of checking out this movie if for nothing else that Italian cafe piano music that mm-hmm. you've heard in a million different things. It's from the Godfather, you know, these different scenes and things like that, these different moments that are replicated in other mediums. And, and you look at guy, at movies like Goodfellas and you look at all of these different mobster movies that, that got a chance to rant, run because Godfather walked first, you know what I mean? And that's before you even get into the fact that this is some of the, some of the richest story or uh, character development that I can point to in cinema. When you talk about Michael Corleone, you're talking about whole mm-hmm. deep character arcs you're not just talking about tommy guns and you know don't get me wrong i love scarface it's got one of the the most quotable lines in all of movie history but (laughs) this is something different like this is there's there's storytelling being done here wrapped up in something that yeah on the surface level also checks the box of just being a popcorn flick yeah, and if you go back and look at like Google anybody's top 100 movies of all time list, this is at the top. If not number one, it's number two, it's number three, or I think the one of all I've looked at, it may have fallen down to maybe five. But but like in terms of classic movies or movies of all time, and and you know over the course of the pandemic and COVID, we our family we were like let's let's go down this list and see what movies we've seen, what we haven't seen, and go back and and look. And we saw some of those. We never got around to watching Godfather all together because of some reason. I think because of the length, it is a three hour movie. And it's always one of those. It's yeah, it's, it's a long one. Uh, it's a good one, but it was like oh, do we have time? How late is it? What can we do? Can we fit in this one? But but yes, always at the top of the list, the greatest 100 movies of all time. And and uh, and storytelling, it, it leans into its storytelling. There's no rushing 
it it's it's three hours, but it tells the story it wants to tell, and and you're captivated by those on screen and the family and what's going to happen next. I'm, I'm you know, it, it's hard to spoil a movie that's you know fifty years old, but the um literally because I turned fifty uh, this year, but the, uh, <laughs> but, but it's at the top and, and it's worth, it's worth, a, another viewing if you've seen it before, but it's, if it's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it made me want to go through and watch, uh, parts two and three, you know, I yeah. know they catch a lot of slack for, for being quote unquote inferior films, but, I think Scream 2 was speaking truth when it talked about the value of Godfather Part 2 in contention <laughs> to being one of the few sequels that may compete with its uh, predecessor. Right. Um, but so, so the story basically of a, a mob family, um, the Don and his sons, and the organization and all of those kinds of things. And for those of you that are um, unaware or, or have never been to um, an Italian uh, get together. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, you know, just a house full of people, just constant chaos for like hours. And the <laughs> kids are usually off doing their own thing. And then, you know, all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty beat for beat in, in certain regards. And you see, um, you know, you think you're, you're following at first the, the Don, the, the father and kind of you are, but only insofar as to set the table for really what ultimately becomes the story of Michael, the son. Right. You know, and, and you go through these different story beats of his time in Italy and you go through these different periods of time, the things that happened to him and you see his evolution into, you know, the reluctant part of the family right? The one that kind of holds a little bit of this life to the, at an arm's length, almost you, you get the vibe that this character wants to um, lead a normal life and not go quote unquote into the family business. And then his, his father, uh, they, they attempt to kill the Don. Um, the, the first time that he runs into, into an unfortunate situation in this movie, um, be, beating up the, beating up the dad is, is very much the story beat that moves along the, the story right. in the three hour long movie, which I didn't even think about that. I am, if you've heard me talk about the MCU at all, then you've heard me talk about the effect that it had on runtimes for movies. I am very much a product of the nineties. 90 minute <laughs> movies are a wonderful thing. Yeah. But this is one of those movies that for me, I did not mind the ridiculous runtime because it was always telling a story. There wasn't a lull point in it that it was it was always developing more of the character beats in the world that you're living in and all of those kinds of things to the point where you know, you're watching through this movie and enough things have happened that simultaneously it feels like you watched all three movies in one setting and it feels like no time has passed at all. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, you know, in terms of like 
how do we relate to this movie? What are, are we entertained by watching somebody else's dysfunction? Or does it give us therapy? Because I'm so glad I'm not like that, or my family's not like that. Or you relate to it and go, man, I can relate. Talk about dysfunction and betrayal and jockeying for power and the quest for power and influence, you know, in terms of my life and, and in my relationships, it's there. And so, so yeah, I can't relate to organized crime um, in, in my personal life, but, but I can look, I I'm in the people business. I'm in the relationship business and man, I can look and see dynamics and, and trauma and betrayal and trust and, and who, wants power who doesn't and all those things are part of the human condition that that this movie just just captures um beautifully um as you follow along and then you have people you pull for and people you're glad to see uh get knocked off uh, along the way but but it is um you know it's yeah and, and it, it did it spark not only did it spark the block i mean there's always been blockbuster but in terms of that one being one that really turned um, I think helped Hollywood turn the corner in terms of what it did. It, it came under, you know, fire in terms of what it was, just, its length, what what they were doing with the movie. But but they saw what it what a movie could do in this kind of kind of storytelling and and really yeah the the birth of the blockbuster there. But all that stuff's there as as you're watching it in terms of a person who is in a relationship with other people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And before I circle back on something that you said, you know, we we talked about in uh, in Jaws that 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 the the dun 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 is is so intrinsic to what made um, Jaws Jaws. right? Right. And I think that even if this wasn't summer, you can see all of those same like, again, that very. That's that that piano music that's been used in just about everything. All of the building blocks of telling a story the size of this that at this moment in time. Remember, we're talking seventies, guys. Three hour long movies were not a thing back then. That right. was that you, that was considered you'd be dead in the water if you came out trying to trying to have a three hour long movie that nobody would be interested in sitting through all of that. Being somebody that can relate about a family that <laughs> is included in some of the activities, mm-hmm. you know, there's something to be said about the way that it portrayed family. Yeah. You don't, you do not come against the, the family is first and foremost, everything else comes, comes second to the family. And that was one of those things mm-hmm. that struck me watching it this time because I, I again I, and i mean and i mean this i am absolutely taking full advantage of every single one of the movies that are on this list i'm going through a movie marathon of some of the best that cinema has to offer right now yeah, because yeah. i'm going through this list and and this one struck me like i have some of the the relationships that i have in my life now at this point because i've learned in my years on this planet that family is not blood family is what you choose for it to be yeah true and you see this and you see such a such a a beautiful thing but also simultaneously it was a little heartbreaking because Mm -hmm. i i know and and i know that there are christians that can identify with what i'm about to say dude i had a an easier time when I was rolling with those types of people, finding my 12 than I have since my come to Jesus moment. 
Right. I can count on one hand how many people that I keep around me in my inner circle and and all of that. And that's not necessarily just because I hold other people at, at arm's length. I'm just just shooting from the hip here. You know what I mean? Like sure. that's that's just a, a very present reality. And that's just something, like I said, like many Exam showing the example of that, and yes, I'm not trying to romanticize it. I'm trying to be honest about the perspective from inside the system. Inside of that system, the 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 elder statesman is the elder statesman, and the family is the family. That's the right. that's the deal. Like that's that is the gimmick. Hmm. And I I don't know if it's that idea being normalized of that kind of systematic structure that makes God palatable at this stage of my life or not, or how much of an impact that has. But the reality is that something that that's, that that's, I can see that parallel. I can see that through line. And then I can see the through line of humans innately desiring the connection of that kind of structure, that family. Um, just, I, I think it's built into our DNA in a lot of regards, and it's way more normalized to look at something like a mob movie and look at, you know, that kind of family system as something that makes a lot more sense than, than the church. Why? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, and, and that's, you know, just, just being honest about it, that I, that's something for, for somebody that focuses so much of so much of my ministry time is spent talking about what is the kingdom of God? What does it mean to have a community? What does it mean to be a part of the church? All of those kinds of things that something like this, I can see, I can see the through line because you're talking about things that are innately human and our Bible talks about that. It talks about the the parts of us that are innately human. And that's been for time and memoriam, for thousands of years at this point, that humans mm -hmm. have craved this. And I just think it bears to be talked about. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, in terms of like organized crime, the mafia, family systems, you know, and then it's not too far of a leap to start talking about organized religion and uh, – um, family systems and the seductive nature of power influence and being sucked in or being shunned if you leave and people who are on a pecking order of who's in charge and who's not and trying to work your way up to the top and who you're going to hand the baton to once you're gone. All that parallels organized crime and organized religion parallel one another. And believe me, because I'm in it and I see it. I have a great congregation. I have great people. But man, if you start talking about certain groups of people not doing certain things in the church anymore because they need to pass the time to somebody else, you're going to get a fight on your hands. And, and so, uh, but also the, 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 um, the nature of, of just the seductive nature of power and influence. And, and, you know, within this movie itself, there's, there's rival families as well that have the same systems and they're trying to do the same thing. And what family, the rival mob organized family against the other ones you know that's a big part of this movie too and and revenge uh vengeance uh those kinds of things so yeah it's all there that's the human condition but but as we're starting to talk about this yeah i hadn't i didn't put my notes about organized crime paralleling organized religion but it's there it's in our news right. whether it's mega churches or whether it's small churches or whether it's family churches or a church that has a graveyard that's been around for 200 years and there's a certain family that keeps watch over who gets in the graveyard or not yeah there are churches that wrestle with those kinds of things um 
goes into this. And the movie, again, can hold up this mirror to show us the human condition to help us cope, to help us relate, to help us process, maybe help us deconstruct, maybe to help us move away and do something healthier um, for us and, and our family systems. And like you said, it's not just about blood. It's, it's sometimes family is, is who you choose and, and where, you, where you belong and what's going to bring you health and, and help you flourish and become who, who God's calling you to be. Right, right. And this is what is so enjoyable about the entirety of an experience like this because you can unapologetically go to these places and consider these things because it's all part of the human element. It's all part of the the uh, the human experience to consider the familial side of it, to consider the power structure side of it, to consider all of it. You know, each one of these these different settings reflect one another. When you look at something like a mob family, the Don is the person at the top, especially if you're getting to a more organic version of mm -hmm. what it looks like, where it's it's that familial side of it. There is a gang side of all of that. Um, mm -hmm. my, my experience lies in the, in the former and that's where it gets into the relational part of it. Because honestly, like these people, like they, they would, they would kill and die for one another. Right. You know what I mean? And that's in, I don't, I, I don't think it's any big mistake that a movie like this has the staying power that it does. Because right. the thing that I'm finding, the older that we, the the older we get in in the cinema that we watch, is that the older ones have a tendency to be more of an out and out, pure distillation of a main story beat, one of the seven, right? The hero's tale or mm -hmm. the tale of sacrifice or whatever, like, you know, the rise of the villain, whatever, whatever one you want to go with. These older movies have a way of representing that more purely with less uh, added on elements, if you will. And I think that that really has an impact on why we remember these movies that we're talking about in the way that we do. And they're told from a perspective that showcases more of the individual. You mentioned that this isn't some big bombastic CGI fest and things like that. No, no, these are, right. this is the human element. This is, these are people. These are the, Part of the story here is they tried to kill the Don by shooting him several times at point blank range. Another guy gets shot by several Tommy guns at point blank range. Mm -hmm. There's there's a grit to this movie because they don't because everything is practical effects because everything has to be practical effects. And it adds to, I think, the overall atmosphere of something like this. And, and I think when you when you add those two things together, when when you combine each one of the individual pieces, the sum total is larger than each one of the individual parts. And it all adds to this monolithic movie in cinema history that people can still, people my age who weren't, you know, uh, my, uh, 
yeah, both of my parents were around. Yeah. At when when this they were young. I think my dad was a teenager. Right. I think. Um so so you know it, and people like my generation are still talking about this like yeah, I see. I see Uncle John in that. I see Uncle Sal in that. I see this kind of situation or I can relate to that over here and things like that because you know that's that's just a reality that that there's so many of us that have such a hard time with making family with having people that we feel like we can relate to and things like that, that when you see it, it's like a sweet smelling aroma, even if it's in the portrayal of something like organized crime. Right. And, and you know, that connection of like organized crime, family system, and then lean toward like religion and uh, communities of faith uh, and family systems within it. Um, you know, it, it just happens that this movie, the cl climax revolves around a baptism, right? Yeah. And, and juxtaposed back and forth is supposedly this sacrament that is, is, uh, you know, pardon the pun, soaked with grace and acceptance and belonging and be a part of a community is then kind of, uh, juxtaposed against the climactic, um, violent, a revenge against the rival family and Michael being the one that's behind it all as he's there uh, as a godfather to uh, a, a baby. <laughs> right. And, and so that's not by accident that those two are parallel. And so I, I, that part of the movie, this climactic scene of, of the sacred versus the, the brokenness, um, the sacred and the holy, uh, the grace versus revenge and sin and, and evil and murder on top of all those things side by side, hand in hand um, is pretty dramatic and very intentional. And um, I think, man, talk about holding up a mirror or an icon of kind of the both and of, of humans and what we long for and then what we feel like we're entrapped to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of, what I think is so cool about this is, like I said, the, it, you do see the gradual character shift of Michael Corleone during this this whole thing to the point where he has now become something else. He is now you you see you see the progression of mm -hmm. Michael as family man, of Michael as soldier, of as M Michael as you know. A, a loving brother and and a loving son, and then you see him become the Godfather at the end as they kiss the ring and all of those mm -hmm. kinds of things. And so, you know, I I, I just I, it's one of those movies that, from pillar to post, is some of the most complete systematic storytelling of a movie that I can reach for. You know what I mean? I can't say enough good things about this movie. And yes, again, I am the I am a, a target audience for this. I, mm -hmm. I I get that there is part of that, but I, I just I I think even attempting to be somewhat objective about it from a complete narrative, I I struggled to look past this movie to find one that did a better job. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. There's a reason it's at the top. The yep. reason why it's it's the hallmark of blockbusters, 
uh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so as, as we wrap up this one, you know, this is one of those, you have to point to this and say, if anything, you know, there's so much of it. We, we left out fun trivia facts. Adrian from the Rocky movies is in this movie. Um, I, I had totally forgotten that that was Adrian. I was watching it and I was like, Oh, Adrian. There you go. Uh, (laughs) Rocky's Rocky's a seventies movie too. Right. Uh, So they're pulling from that. Yeah. Another fun fact that the horse head in the director's bed was a real horse's head. Um, that's not special effects or, or practical effect. It's like it was a real horse head uh, that they had gotten from, you know, where, wherever. So it was a little controversial there, but but they used a real horse head in, in the bed. It's little factoids like that that I love being on these episodes and unpacking these those sort of things because I had no idea. I just, I, you know, you see a scene with a horse head, you automatically assume that it's a yeah, horse that head. Yeah, that tag at the end of the movie, no animals were harmed. But I don't think they killed the horse to make it, put it in the bed. It was already dead or they got it from a horse farm or or, or horse track or whatever. Uh, but but yeah, uh, reading up on the movie, it was a real horse head and, and it was controversial, of course. <laughs> huh fascinating fascinating yep. but but yeah so so in the wrap up here very important question that we're asking everybody during the drive in series if you're going to go see a movie what is the go to snack oh oh 100% popcorn that's yeah. it every movie i go to i if it yeah, if I don't get popcorn at a movie, I, it's not Will Rose. Like it's it's somebody else impersonating me. I'm sick. Something's going. Something's going on. Like I always have to get popcorn. I don't care what time of day or how much I've eaten. I will get popcorn. Um, sometimes with butter on it. I like getting butter on it, but my family doesn't. They so I have to. Uh, just go along with what they get. We usually get the big tub that you refill and we go back and refill it like three or four times because we're spreading them out among all of us in our own bags. So that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's just one of those. You gotta, uh, that's one plus one equals two. You got, uh, it's a non-negotiable when it comes to, when it comes to, uh, yeah. I mean, even in the favorite snack of all time, like if you say, what's your favorite snack? I'll say popcorn and then like movie popcorn. That's, that's it for me. And I, I know all the health, uh, risks that go into movie popcorn and even the upcharge and how much they make. I, I don't care. It smells good. It tastes good. It's my favorite snack. And yep. sometimes I'll even go buy a movie theater. Even I'll have time to see a movie. I'll just go in and go, I want to, I'll buy an $8 small popcorn just because I want it for a snack that afternoon. Sometimes I'll do that. Yep. That's a confession I made just right here. In front of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was one. We have a, um, one of the local theaters is more of like a boutique theater. It's, it's a independently owned and operated been around for, for time and memoriam around this very small town. That is kind of one of those towns that, that, you know, yes, has progressed, but is still very much an older country town. And one of the things that they did during the pandemic to keep money coming in is they would set up days where, you know, you would go online, you would order your popcorn order and you'd curbside, they would bring it out to you and you just ordered popcorn from the movie theater because this place, movie theater popcorn from this place just hit different. 
Yeah, I and quick story. I when we first moved to Chapel Hill, we moved to some apartments in a little kind of shopping center mall area that was like I could walk like one street over and there's a movie theater there. And one night I was out walking my dog and it was at the end of the night and I saw the theater movie theater. I was like, I'm just gonna go in there, buy some popcorn and uh for the night and I walk in, I'm like Hey guys, I know you're going to close, but can I just buy some popcorn? He's like, oh, we're getting ready to throw out this trash bag full of popcorn. Do you want it? And I was like, heck yeah, I want it. So I brought home a trash bag full of popcorn that they didn't use. It was like a full thing. And my and my wife was like, you're not leaving that in the house. I'm like, okay. So I brought it to our our church and campus ministry and just we all ate it on it for like a week. Uh, so I, I scored big that time. And every now and then I'll go by a movie theater when it's closed and kind of look in like maybe, maybe that'll happen again, but it hasn't. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Popcorn all the way. Yeah. My, uh, my brother-in-law, uh, second Josh, you'll, you guys will hear from him. Um, at some point in the, in the future, he, he, uh, guest with myself, TJ and Kino. And, uh, he used to work at one of the, lo- the local theaters for a summer and he would oh, come man. out with these giant Ziplocs of the like <laughs> the giant ones yeah. of popcorn that would just otherwise would have just gotten thrown out. That's right. That's right. It's gold. So, Throwing away gold. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us for a, another episode of the SG Drive-In. To hear the rest of the series as well as more from us, check us out at systematicgeekology.org. And if you want to learn more about our esteemed panel of geeks, you can go to the host tab and each one of us uh, has a little ditty there. Uh, Tune in next week as we cover Raiders of the Lost Ark Mm. uh, and continue the wonderful uh, onslaught of Harrison Ford that is coming over the coming weeks and months. So that's a wrap for now. As always, remember that we, we are a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.